Welcome to the 5B podcast. I'm your host, Tom White. Today, we are joined by Anne Hoyer. Anne is the Head of Strategic Partnerships at Danfoss. Anne, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tom. You're very welcome. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Danfoss, huge, huge business. Would love to get into what you guys are doing in, in IoT and a little bit more about your background. And, and I guess that's a nice place to start, actually. So can you kind of tell me how you got into this kind of crazy world of, of IoT and, and what got you to this point? Um, I do agree it's a crazy world. Um, so much is happening. I think we are right at the point where innovation starts to create business. Um, and it's such an exciting place to be. I've been in the field of IoT for about eight years now, uh, starting with the SAP, so working in there initial IoT applications, help them bring them to market uh, from, from Germany, from the headquarters. Um, and I've been involved as well on the system integrator side, business uh, consulting side as well, uh, around in Europe, always working with international customers, always found a thrill in it. And to be honest, it was never really what I thought was my career path. I was always more on the creative side, um, the storytelling, the media, and suddenly I just stumbled upon IT and it kind of made sense. And then into IoT, it made even more sense. So going from SAP into a, a system um, integrator and then even having my own company situated around big data uh, and innovation and, and, and sales for a couple of years, I was picked up by Danfoss, where I'm now, as you said, heading strategic partnerships, focusing on the digital business. Okay, excellent. I mean, how, how, how does someone go from the creative industry into I IoT, as you say, and into that world? Kind of what, what spurred your interest? It was, to be honest, it was a little bit of a coincidence. Okay. So for personal reasons, I moved to Spain. And in Spain, I, I had to do something, right? I couldn't just sit on my couch and be bored. And I started networking with people, and I met uh, this Dutch woman who said, well, if you're bored anyway, I mean, don't be a, you know, an expat, just go and, 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 and try to meet some people. Uh, why don't you try come visit me at SAP? I think we might be looking for Danish sales representatives. Like SAP, I don't know anything about you know, technology. Sure, I, I like computers and computer games, but I mean, I was a media girl. I love being in, in that industry. And I met up with her and, and it, was, it, was, it started to be kind of interesting. And of course, I could do an interview and I had an interview and suddenly something clicked, right? This is where the value is. Sure, marketing yeah. is fun. Media is fun. But this is where we actually can go. And maybe it sounds a little holy, but this is actually where we go in and change businesses. Mm. This is where some yeah. things are happening here. Um, and it provides such a big value. And then moving into the slightly intangible world of IT being exposed to the IoT and the IIoT, suddenly things just made sense, right? It sense it, it clicked. Um, you had an object that maybe used to be not so smart. You made it smart. You started connecting, and suddenly you had this bigger picture of what you could use in your company or provide to your customers. And yeah. it just intrigued me, and I wanted to explore this more. And okay. luckily, I had the opportunity. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting story, and thank you for sharing it because I think in the past we've had various people get into IoT from various uh, backgrounds, um, and and lots of people have kind of got into this, and there seems to be a coalition, right, of different industries 
kind of coming towards this, um, you know, the, the device led, you know, as you say, it wasn't smart back then, presumably because it wasn't powerful enough, right, to be smart in itself to do stuff and, and actually have the ability to connect things and do uh, and do some cool stuff together. So, yeah, I hear you on that. I have a, sim- I have a similar background, uh, you know, was more from a video side, but got into IoT due to mm-hmm. devices. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting and love it. And I'm here now. So uh, but you're no stranger, of course, to podcasts as well. Anne, right. You, you've hosted a radio show in the past. Is that right? I did. I did. Um, those were in my media days, though. Uh, okay. So I was in the in the number side of the TV world. I was doing uh, I was doing analytics. I was doing, you know, interviews, realizing, uh, you know, the two lines under everything we did. And I needed that creative outlet somehow. And because uh, the TV station also owned the radio stations where I was working, that was actually Discovery Channel. They, uh, I just asked one day, hey, what if I could, uh, could, could I try myself in, in the world of radio? And I said, sure, why not? We can't pay you, <laughs> but you can give it a go. And I, I actually ended up getting my own radio show. Wow. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. It was called Hoyer's Update. It was okay. not about technology. It was about whatever is happening, events, uh, movies, such. And because at that time I was there, we were launching our, what we called video on demand. So streaming back yeah. then. Yeah. Um, I was being part of that as well on the analytics side. And they said, well, since you have a radio show and since we're not paying you, do you mind uh, trying your way on the podcast side? So I created a podcast also around trends and fashion and whatever's going on called Trends Potting, kind of clever name, which was the podcast that launched in Denmark, the, uh, the video on demand player, or the on demand player from Discovery Channel. And wow. I had that for about, I think about one year and a half. And it was a lot of fun because it was one of the first podcasts. And I was basically just interviewing a bunch of people on on the street, on the views, on fashion and everything around that. It was it was fun. Fashion is not easy to show on a podcast, but we did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, crikey. It uh, it brings me back. I, I had a it, uh, back in 2014, I started a, a jeans brand, which I sold on a private sale. Uh, oh, wow. So so I've been involved in that industry and I've got friends who have uh, fashion businesses at the moment, both in raising capital uh, and people that are buyers. Um, in the UK for Selfridges and various other businesses. So I know it, it's a really hard industry, right? Oh, yeah. Hard to get recognized. And, and certainly from a podcast point of view, uh, <laughs> I get it, right? How, how, how do you explain it when you can't visually see it? So, um, you know, kudos to you. So did that kind of lead you on quite nicely into this role? So, and I guess, I guess for, for our listeners and viewers, um, we usually have uh, CXO level people or engineering folk. What does a head of strategic partnerships do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, And to answer your first question, yes, it did make sense. And to answer your second question, uh, I work with a massive landscape of different organizations. So when you're doing podcasts or radio, you need to be able to connect to people. You need to have, be able to tell a story with that people with those people and you need to create a, a, a common value when you're talking to that person. Um, otherwise it's not going to be anyone to want to listen to it, right? It's not going to be a good interview, but it's the same thing in partnerships because in partnerships, my role is to make sure at the Danfoss and the digital side that we have the right landscape to support 
our business. But we can't do that unless the partners that we're working with have a shared value with us. And that means that we can both get something out of this partnership. So one plus one equals three is something that we're usually saying, uh, but sometimes it can get bigger than that, right? So I might partner up with someone and that, that company might get a benefit from partnering up with another partner that I'm having. So suddenly we're into this whole alliance ecosystem um, mindset. And that's what I'm doing at Danfoss. I'm creating this because when you work in IoT, you need to work in alliances, you need to work in partnerships. So it's a very, very exciting role to be in, being able to set the strategy and, and find these right partners for the right landscape to help Danfoss move forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what, what, a, what a fantastic answer uh, and, and completely understand. I mean, one of, the, one of the issues that we got with IoT is that there's so many different moving parts and less of a common platform and lots of different players, hyperscalers and small businesses. So being able to work with people who, uh, you know, a, a myriad of different businesses and, and I really get and understand that role. And, 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 and dare I say it, every day is different, I would imagine that, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to, to, to talk about da Danfoss then, so for people that don't understand Danfoss, so Danfoss um, has a slogan, we engineer tomorrow to build a better future. Uh, yeah. And I guess that really resonates with our podcast and the direction of technology to to where it should be going or where we want it to be going to the kind of green transition of the world. Um, and one of our core values is a business. Um, could you explain, you know, what your uh, you know what your part of Danfoss is involved in and what the company company does? Yeah, exactly. Very briefly, for those who doesn't know Danfoss, we are quite old company. Uh, we have been creating innovative products since uh, 1930s, right? So we are getting close to that 100 year mark. And we've always been in engineering. And it's, it's fun to see when you look at the history of the company, we've already always been working with optimizing. Um, and as long as we've been working with, for example, energy, which is a very big topic at the moment, we're talking about how do we use what we have in a more sufficient, in a, in a more sustainable way. And that's part of our history. Uh, Danfoss is uh, one of the largest manufacturing companies in Denmark. We're about 40,000 people, not just in Denmark, but globally. Uh, we have customers in more than 100 countries and we serve uh, three different business areas. I'm in one of them. The other two are very exciting as well. One is in, in hydraulics, uh, mainly for off-highway vehicles. So um, in construction or in, in agriculture. One is within drives, which is a very, very important component in, in electric cars at the moment in order for them to actually being able to control the speed. And then the third one is in climate solutions. And about a year ago, and that's where I am, about a year ago, that was heating and cooling. So climate, of course, is about our climate, but it's also about the climate in, in a bigger sense. It's about the climate in a building. It's about the climate surrounding food and the temperature surrounding food, for example. So anything that needs to be cold and anything that needs to be heated up and how do we optimize that? That is uh, the business unit I'm in. And this is where Danfoss has decided to create the first digital organization that focuses on utilizing technology and IoT in order for us and our customers to reach our goal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? The, uh, the, the part of climate solutions that you're in. And, and I think Dan. Danfoss are really at the forefront of this, aren't they, in terms yes. of trying to create a sustainable future? Um, 
can you talk about any of the projects that are happening at the moment um, and give some examples of, of what Climate Solutions does? Yeah, absolutely. So what is really interesting, uh, and one of the reasons that I'm so happy to be here is that we are an engineering company and we understand our domain. We are not historically an IT company. Uh, of course, we have a lot of data scientists, we have a lot of developers, we have a lot of bright commercial minds, but the majority of my colleagues are engineers, mechanical engineers, and they can tell you exactly how our fridge works. And they can tell you exactly when it doesn't work and which effects that has on what's in the fridge or which effect it has before it even reaches anything critical. And that's why it's so interesting to work at Danfoss because we have continuously been building on that knowledge, taking that knowledge, bringing them into our digital products, creating digital services for our customers to be completely aware much earlier on what's happening with their assets and with their people and with their business. And one of the initiatives we did a couple of years ago was we created a platform and that platform is called Alsense. And if you want to hear a little fun insider, at least a little bit fun insider uh, for, for Danfoss interested people, mm -hmm. the name of the IoT platform is Alsense. And it doesn't really make sense to you, I guess, right? Because what is, okay. what is Alsense? Yeah. It's not all sense, so it's not AI sense. It used to be AI sense, artificial intelligence sense. But the company uh, is located on a small island in Denmark called ALS, A-L-S. Okay. And it's such a big pride for the company. So it decided to create the first IoT platform and name it after the little island in Denmark that this company still has its headquarters because Denfoss is, oh. is a private owned by the family company. So they're very proud of their, their local um, That's lovely. environment. Yeah, so we call it Elsense. But it is basically an IoT platform currently focusing on uh, food retail. Okay. Yeah. We launched it a couple of years ago, and we just relaunched it last week at Chilventa, which is a massive um, cooling event uh, conference in Germany held every year. Now we relaunched it with a lot of new services and a lot of new uh, offerings for customers when it comes to especially climate. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a fantastic uh, initiative and a fun, and fantastic project, uh, Alsense, and a lovely story for that. It's something that's very topical as well. So, as of literally today, uh, when we're filming this podcast, we just launched our episode with Deloitte, and Deloitte were talking about um food waste and 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 if we can just save i think the i think the quote was about sort of three or four percent the, the actual tons of food waste that is generated on a daily basis uh you know will be reduced by by simple technology that does this we've also had people talk about um freight shipping right so mm -hmm. transporting uh, fruit and vegetables across the world and uh, using cameras and, and technology inside. And when that starts to perish, or it looks like it's going to start to perish, you re-navigate re where the ship's going. So it goes to somewhere else. So yeah. I think this is really topical and the sustainability piece is, is fantastic. And at the end of the day, it has a really feel-good factor, doesn't it? Um, to be able to to produce something that is is going to help, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It has a purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so 
you know, getting on to that, so the energy crisis and climate change, you know, IoT really is an ally to this. Um, and I think that's at heart why it's such a, a fantastic industry, because it can really help, uh, you know, reduce some of the issues that we have around green energies and uh, decreasing energy consumption. Um, I mean, record, records go on to say, you know, the last decade has been warmer than any other decade in the past 125,000 years. Uh, and, and energy efficiency is is, is a hot topic. Is, is that why now, in your view, that you know the greenest energy uh, is is in people's minds and people are talking about that? And is that why Dan Foss is putting more time and energy into this? Time and energy, no pun intended. <laughs> um, yes, and it's a little bit of a you know it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but we're we're in a crisis, right? And the good thing about this is that we are also at a technology maturity and a mindset maturity stage where we can use this crisis to fuel, and again, no pun intended, fuel um, the progress of technology in order to help us uh, solve the current issues that we're having. So it's a little bit of good luck, bad luck kind of situation that we have going on. But I think right now we are at this point where we see technologies advancing. To be honest, we've been talking about a lot of the same use cases for many years. I've seen a lot of the same people on the same stages talking about the same use cases for the last many years. Suddenly something's happening. Suddenly there's an urgency, there's a crisis, there's a need. We also figured out how do we actually create a positive impact with technology. And for that, I, I don't mean in relations to the crisis, but I mean in relations to the bottom line, because we know if something's moving at technology, if something's moving innovation, it's bottom line, right? So here we have the trifecta. We have the technology readiness. We have increased bottom line, or at least a possibility of increased bottom line, because we're starting to really see it in IoT. And then we have the urgency of the crisis. And that, that crisis can cost us quite a lot, which is why we're also interested in decreasing the consumption in order to improve the bottom line. So, yeah. so we're at this yeah. point now. And, and, I think, and I think you're right, you know, I think it's, um, it's something that's hot topics for, for many businesses out there and for many people. And certainly if you read in the press and um, certain government white papers, people are looking into ways uh, to, get, to get this in a slightly better way. But there's one of, one of, the, one of the things I wanted to talk about here is that the greenest energy uh, is the energy we don't use. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what, does, what does that mean as such? Because this is, this is something I wanted to, to ask you. It's, a, it's an interesting phrase, isn't it? It is. It is. And I never thought about it before I started working with it, to be honest, because we're always talking about how do we create more green energy. Um, from a Danish perspective, it's about 50% of the energy consumption is green and 50% is black. So how do we ensure that the energy that we're actually using, which is 50% black energy in our case, how do we make sure that instead of pro just producing more, because there are a lot of issues with that, unfortunately, there's a lot of legislation, there's a lot of you know, halt uh, in different parts of that value chain. How do we then still push it forward and we do that by lowering the consumption? Mm. And this is something we can do without producing anything extra. We don't have to produce more uh, wind turbine farms. We don't have to produce, of course, we will still keep doing that, but it's not something that holds us back. 
So optimizing what we have, using the knowledge that we have to optimizing what we already have in place is the, the, the fastest and the cheapest way to go. And it's very efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I have a bit of a passion for this and I listen to lots of talks around green energy and, you know, people for and against nuclear energy and the efficiency of that as well, right? um and and i think it's an interesting subject um and it's great to see that danfoss are getting so involved um in terms in terms of that uh i understand that there's an automated iot product platform as well around cold chain tracking uh where you can keep uh, an eye on energy bills etc is this part of yes. uh lsense is it sorry is it lsense you said earlier is that is that what this is is this the product um... that you're talking about in a way, yeah, because when you're talking about, for example, supermarkets, yeah, a supermarket might have uh, 200 different uh, cabinets for cooling and freezing. Okay. Um, we are part of this cold chain. Of course, we, we cannot go in and, and provide you any security on what happened to your goods in the truck because we don't have any overview of that. But yeah. as soon as it's, it's in the fridge, we can go in and look at the conditions of the fridge and on, on the freezer, but also on the on the food itself. And because of the, the, the services that we have in Elsons, we can give indications on when something is about to head in the wrong direction. So let me give you an example. What we do now and what we've done always is that if, if a temperature is changing, we know the threshold for temperature. And uh, there might be a dog barking now. I'm sorry about that. No, he's okay. Um, there's such a change in the temperature, right? So we know that if it exceeds maybe eight degrees Celsius and, and is below uh, three or two degrees Celsius, it's in a place where, where it's, it's not allowed to be because that will change the, the, the bacteria in the food, mm. right? So if that happens, that means that the fridge is broken. If it's broken, that means that the food has to be gone to waste and the fridge has to be uh, repaired. But if that happens, we get an alarm and that something, someone will go out and, and, and change these issues. Of course, with IoT, as in many other cases, we now know before if something's about to happen, if it's a mechanical issue, if it's a door issue. Um, and we also know what it is. So we can send the right person and, you know, uh, decrease the truck rolls and so on and so on. That's not unique. But what's unique to us and what I think is very interesting is that the knowledge we have about what's going on at the fridge is now part of these services. So even though you don't, you have not had an alarm yet on your fridge, we still know if the temperature has been fluctuating in what we call the danger zone, no alarms. You don't know if anything is wrong, but we can see that because of the temperature change, it's been filled up. Now, two things can happen. You can, you can sell the food and people can potentially get sick, right? Mm. Or if you don't catch it at the right point, you have to throw out the food which in this case is, is better, right? But it's not good for the environment. So these are the little granular things that are the services that can help reduce food waste, but also uh, decrease the consumption of energy because we know much more in advance what status of the different equipment is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so impressive, isn't it? That um, we're able to, to map this out early uh, and, and, and really kind of, understand where we are with the storage, the cold chain, 
uh, what yeah. to do with it, when it needs to be used, when, when it needs to be pushed on, because I just don't think we've ever really had much of an appreciation of that in the past, have we? Uh, yeah. We, you know, and, and it's never sort of been at the forefront of people's minds. I mean, you know, bold, bold question here, but, you know, I, you know IoT, uh, you know, potentially, you know, has the, has, has, has the promise to be a major factor for the cure of the energy crisis that we're, we're, we find ourselves in in the 21st century, doesn't it? Um, you know, with the, with the different types of advancements that we can do, such as this, we want your thoughts on that. My thoughts are, in general, not when it just comes to the energy crisis, but in general, it is that technology is just a tool. Mm. It is bits and pieces. It is uh, ones and zeros. And it can do magical things. Well, don't quote me on magical, but it's because it's definitely not magical. But they can do amazing things. And if we can use it to change people's mindset, if we can use it to help reduce consumption of energy, if we can help reduce food waste, that is definitely a very, very, very deciding factor. Hmm. But without the will to do it, uh, and also, in my opinion, without uh, having the right support from the governmental bodies and the European Commission and so on, it will not happen. So technology cannot be a bearing pillar alone, but it is an amazing tool for us to get there as long as we can adapt it correctly and we can use it correctly and we can have the right input. Um, and actually an addition that I feel is very, very crucial, it is that the, the, the governments and the, the, the different European unions and so on has to collaborate with all different kinds of companies uh, in the private sector. Yeah. So this is where I think the partnership mindset comes in. And this is what I'm creating for Danfoss as well, that the ecosystem is very, very diverse. Because you might have someone that is, is uh, we see this, you, the government is funding a cluster of, of energy companies or people that are working with energy companies and they get input from the different companies and their surroundings when it comes to data, but also on what is actually moving on. Because in the private companies, we have a different sort of urgency and a goal. And maybe that goal is to capitalize, but take that urgency and take that speed and put it into the governmental uh, funded or EU funded programs. And I think that this is where we have a, a winner uh, mm. for sure. Mm. So technology is, is a tool, but it's a great tool. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, in our business, we talk about technology being a tool and like any tool it can be used for both good and bad. Yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, we, we, we have to use it in a good way. We need to make sure that there's an anchor in how we're using this uh, to be a force for good and, uh, right. and, to, and to enable, uh, you know, the benefits. But, but I think it goes further than that. If we, if we look at, you know, private sector businesses, I mean, ultimately to get this, you know, um, this uptake of people looking at this, I think you've got to reduce cost, haven't you? So the benefit is going to reduce the cost to them as well as have uh, a sustainability effect to it. And I think that's where really it would take, um, you would take effect long term, right? And I think some of the work clearly that Danfoss are doing and that you're doing, particularly within your role, is bringing that together and bringing it more to the forefront. Um, and, and also, I think, you know, without us talking about it and without us putting out this podcast and without some of the work that you do, without speaking to people uh, in, in, in the strategic uh, uh, partnerships point of view from, from your position, it won't be at the forefront of people's minds and therefore it kind of gets pushed to the side. 
So I think all good PR around this is a positive thing, wouldn't you say? Yep, I absolutely agree. And, uh, and, and in my work, so I've been in different roles in IoT, and there's a reason why I settled on partnerships. And it is because we, we lift as a team in this mm. industry and everybody deserves a voice. Mm. And when you can bring in small companies, startups, research institutions, um, large corporations, technology, engineering, if you can bring these people in with a joint goal and talking about sustainability, we kind of do have a joint goal here, uh, at least in these times, with, with, for example, a reduction of, of energy consumption. This is where the magic happens, right? And this is where having partnerships and having a, par a clear partnership strategy and having a, a cohesive strategy in partnerships and bringing it into something crucial within your IoT and technology business, I think this is something that will lead companies to win this game of, of IoT, but also in, in reducing and supporting their customers with, with energy consumption and, uh, and sustainability. Yeah, it's a win-win for everyone, isn't it's it? It's a win-win. It you has know? to be a win-win. It has to be a win-win. Well, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. It has to be a win-win yeah. in order for it to actually happen, exactly. um, which I think is really important. So where's it all going then, Anne, at Danfoss, uh, within Climate Solutions? Uh, any upcoming projects, plans? What can we expect to see in the future? Oh, there's a lot going on. Um, so we relaunched our uh, IoT platform for food retail. There's okay. going to be a lot more in that platform that binds the businesses together. Uh, we have a lot of advancements on the engineering side that we are now seeing how we can extract that data in order to just amp it up a little notch when it comes to the, the smartness of it. For example, we have a very big demand for um, heat recovery. Right. And just a disclaimer, I'm not an engineer, but this is a really interesting topic. You use energy in a, in a store to cool your food down. And the, the excess of that is heat. Now, previously, we've just been letting that heat go. Right? What we do now and what we see now is that that heat is being repurposed. So it's a byproduct from the cold that is suddenly being used to heat up the store and for you to wash your hands in warm water. And if the, if the utilities around, the, the, district, um, the district energy companies around allow it, you can actually use that. Once you've heated up your store, you can use that and sell it back to the grid. Now, suddenly you're being self-sufficient and making a little bit of money on that. And this is, a, this is something that we at Danfoss have been doing for many, many years. And now we're bringing it into a, a world that it also becomes digital, meaning that you can measure on it. And soon we will have a lot more focus on carbon accounting. And here, this will have a very, very big, big impact. So this is something that I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on um, that's going to spread throughout um, Europe and the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that's, you know, that's a great example and a, and a really nice project that Danfoss uh, Climate Solutions are being involved in. I think everyone has those kind of heat sinks in their in their bathrooms, right? Uh, in the UK, certainly about Denmark, where they, where you extract the heat and then you reuse that, right? Going out. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at other IoT projects that are out there, energy harvesting is a big one, right? Yes. So your remote control is not needing batteries anymore. Having sensors that are uh, either kinetic or solar uh, rechargeable. 
but you're right you know every every action the physics law not sure which one it is but every action has an equal and opposite reaction so exactly. if you can try and take that and use it somewhere else uh yes. then that then that completely makes sense i always find when we talk about these things it seems so logical mm-hmm. you know it, it seems and but it's like what what's what's taken us so long to get to this point and i and i and i assume and through conversations like this it's um a lack of technology uh, a lack of ability of technology to be able to do it power uh interest but also you kind of you have this kind of sense of and, and i think you know everyone that I speak to this sense of purpose, you know, mm-hmm. um, and doing something in the right way. And that clearly resonates, it seems, with yeah. Danfoss. Absolutely. And then another thing that I think is important, it is understanding that you are not in a siloed business. We all have this journey we have to go through because we all have a, some sort of urgency at the moment. And if we stick to ourselves and what we know, we're not going to move as far and as fast. Where did I go? Yeah, so the uh, the topic of data exchange is mm-hmm. is crucial to understand that maybe not your closest neighbors within your 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 industry, but moving beyond that is something that can help you advance even further. And that is when it comes to data, but it's also when it comes to partnerships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Dan, I, um, sorry. Well, Anne, I think we 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 clearly got to the. Uh, the uh the kind of point in the show now where i think we're naturally coming to a bit of a wrap-up and i think the dog probably wants to go for a walk as well uh uh just uh just as a couple 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 of quick things we do a quick fire question at the end of each podcast and um i'm going to ask you a quick couple of questions what would be the one what would be the one device you regret spending money on my roomba your your what sorry my roomba Okay, what's that? That is my uh, vacuum cleaner that is autonomous. Oh, right. Okay. It just doesn't work, no? <laughs> no, it's always stuck. That's interesting. I bought, theory, I, but yeah. I always have to lift it across everything. Uh, okay, I bought, I bought one about 10 years ago and it doesn't work. And it looks like they still haven't nailed it. So if anyone's exactly. listening, fix your autonomous vacuum cleaners. Yes. Um, What's your favorite book you've ever read? It can be fiction or non-fiction. Uh, the Cultural Map by Erin Myers. Okay, and a quick 20 seconds on what that is. She is very, she's describing how different cultures interact in a business context. And it's okay. not as dry as you think. It's very, very interesting. So, and knowing some part of the world might need a, mean a yes in another part of the world. And how do you interact when a German business person is, is uh, just negotiating with the Chinese, for example. Okay. Very well all written. Right. I recommend it to everybody. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, and, and finally, last, last question. Uh, favorite streaming platform? Spotify. Okay. Ah, oh, well, you had to say Spotify, right? <laughs> Well, it's a Nordic business though, right? True, true. So uh, there we are. Very, very diplomatic. Uh, fantastic. And it's been lovely having you on the 5B podcast. You've been absolutely great. Um, really interesting to know more about Dan Foss and certainly yourself. Where can people find out more? Um, social media accounts, your account, Dan Foss, etc. So I'm definitely on LinkedIn. It's probably my biggest platform. I listen in on Twitter. I'm not very good at tweeting. Uh, but that is uh, that is mainly it. Very active on LinkedIn. All right, excellent. And thank you so much for coming on to the Five B podcast today. Thank you for inviting me, Tom. <laughs>